first service on a Sunday morning in what feels like forever. <laughs> but I'm so glad. I was so grateful to gather with so many of you on uh, Christmas Day. That was so special. And Christmas, or not Christmas, New Year's Eve evening. That was just a beautiful time um, of bringing in the fresh start of the new year um, through worshiping the Lord together. I, I was very convinced I was going to be falling asleep here, and at 12.15, I was like, wait, why are we stopping worshiping? Let's keep going. So I hope, I hope you had a chance to join us for that, uh, but if not, we are so glad you're here this morning uh, to gather, to lift his name um, to, with open hands and see what he wants to do in us and through us this morning. I have a few announcements for us I want to draw your attention to. First, if you are a parent of a youth going to the Strength to Stand conference, parents of 6th through 12th graders, if you've got um, kids going to the Strength to Stand conference this weekend, right, this weekend, I have a 6th grader, so I should know that, um, there is a parent meeting, either way, the parent meeting for that trip is this Wednesday at 7.30 in the youth building across the parking lot. So if you are a parent with a child going on that trip, a youth going on that trip, this Wednesday at 7.30, Pastor Tim wants to um, meet with us to give us all the details that we need and to pray, um, pray over those kids. So we will see you in the youth building this Wednesday at 7.30. Also want to remind you that the Remnant Radio conference, the first ever Remnant Radio conference uh, is happening that first weekend of March. Um, uh, Pastor Charles talked about that uh, for weeks now, um, but the, I wanted to remind you that the early bird discount for that, the $99 for that, I think it's a three-day conference, it's only $99 right now, but only through um, January 14th. So if you are planning on going to that and you want to take advantage of that early bird discount, please do so um, ASAP. This is the last week. Um, to take advantage of that. And then lastly, women, uh, if you have signed up, if you are one of the 18 women that signed up to go to the North Georgia Revival Women's Conference with us in a couple weeks, we have a quick meeting in the Fellowship Hall today right after service. So right after service, head on over to the Fellowship Hall if you are registered to go to that event. We want to get you some important details and gather as a group to pray um, for our time there. So those are the announcements I've got for you this morning. There's lots happening in the life of the church. I encourage you to check out the Connect wall um, to get some more details on things going on. Um, but for now, we want to turn our hearts and our eyes to worship the Lord. So if you would stand with me as we prepare to do that. Um, this morning, actually last night and this morning, God um, highlighted, I feel like God highlighted a scripture to me and uh, it was confirmed this morning during our Sunday morning prayer. Um, again, plug, if you have not been able to join us for our Sunday morning prayer, uh, as we say, church starts at 9, <laughs> well, 9.20. Uh, we gather here in the worship center for prayer, a focused time of prayer for what God wants to do uh, that morning and in this place and in his people here. We encourage you and invite you to that. That is open to everybody, young and old. But it was interesting because the prayer that, um, the scripture that the Lord gave Charles this morning during that time um, is reflected in the, in the scripture that the Lord, I feel like, gave me last night and this morning. And I want to share that and bless you with it this morning. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, 
who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God, I, I make that our prayer, Lord, as your body this morning. Father, we proclaim that you do. You satisfy us with good. So keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus. I thank you that you crown us in all of our mess. You crown us with steadfast love and mercy. So, Lord, help us worship you this morning. Help us bring you our sacrifice of praise this morning for that undeserved favor, God. We love you. In Jesus' name. Is there some anticipation in the room today about what God's going to do? Oh, we make room for you, Jesus. Ah, oh. we stand under an open heaven today. We've already prayed. Man, it's just incredible how the Lord is just giving scripture after scripture after scripture. Uh, this morning to his people as we were praying and, and as we're here. And I'm, I was amazed. Same thing as I was walking this morning. The Lord said, prepare the way of the Lord make straight a path for him. And then Charles gets over and reads that verse, and then Lauren reads a psalm, and the Lord had given us a psalm this morning. And it says, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, you who serve the Lord. You who serve in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Celebrate his lovely name with music. I know the greatness of the Lord, that the Lord is greater than any other God. Let's just begin to praise Him right wherever you are. Woo, don't wait for the song to start. Just start lifting your praise right now. With your mouth, with your mouth, begin to praise Him. Waited for this day, we're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, will burn our hearts with truth. Why did you come? You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river.
the skies light up every heart now sing to the lord hear the rocks cry out see the mountains bow every heart come worship the lord Oh 
no ball game that's better than you. There's no food that's better than you. There's no pleasure that's better than you this morning. There's nothing better than you and being in your presence, God. Where we sense the love and the forgiveness of the Father. Oh, there's no place like the place we're in right now. God, remove every desire that we have for earthly and worldly things. Only give us an appetite for you. All of you, God, all of you. In 2023, we want all of you. Is that the cry of your heart? to it before today. Hallelujah. But before we get into this song, I want to tell you a little bit about it. Because you're going to hear some words that you may not know. And I even had to look them up. The beginning of the song says, Adonai. And you may be going, mm, okay, I'll say the words, but I'm not sure what that means. It means Lord. It means Master. Another word that may not be familiar to you is Elohim. Uh, but in our context today, as we sing this song, it's a name for God, Creator God. When you read in Genesis, Elohim spoke. He created. And then you're going to hear the word El Shaddai. We used to sing the old uh, Amy Grant song, El Shaddai, but very few of us knew what it meant. El Shaddai is the Almighty God. God Almighty. And you can tell me this one, Emmanuel, is God is with us. But if this is new to you, you may be going, oh, these words are all weird. And the name of the song forever, Yahweh. Who is Yahweh? Ah, uh, Jehovah God. It is that reverent name of God. It's the proper name 
the children of Israel, it was so, it was so sacred. They couldn't even say the name. So they started coming up with these other things. And if you get in techni technicalities and leaving out vowels and, and things, because the name was so holy, they couldn't even say it. We are blessed that we live in a day where we can say the name of Yahweh, Jehovah, Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he, he forever, forever, forever will be Yahweh. God, you have no beginning. You have no end. You are forever. We worship you, the eternal God. The Lord just gave me a scripture. God says, I have planted eternity in the heart of man. All of us know we're going to live forever somewhere. You know it. God said, I put in the heart of every believer, every unbeliever, every sinner, and every saint, every guest, and every visitor every nation, tribe, and tongue, there's eternity in the heart. And as we sing this song, I want you to think about your eternal destiny. Do you know Yahweh? Is He your God? Oh, Yahweh, Love is a 
righteous run into it, and they are saved. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. speak we know your name we've seen it written we've read it but let us experience the presence that your name brings be with us Lord speak to us through your word Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Feels like it's been a long time since we've done this at 10 o'clock on a, Saturday, a Sunday morning. After our Christmas Day service that was at 4 o'clock and then our New Year's Eve service that was awesome. If you missed it, I'm sorry that you missed it because it was, uh, it was really really powerful. Um, and so uh, I'm glad that you made it. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, we're starting a new series uh, titled Rooted, Spiritual Disciplines. We're going to look at what it means to be spiritual, spiritually disciplined. And over the next three weeks, each week, I'm going to announce something that Faith Church is going to do um, to help you become rooted. So uh, this morning we're going to talk about the word. And so I'm not just going to tell you about you need to be rooted in the word, you need to be rooted in the word. I'm going to tell you how the church is going to disciple you in that to help you become rooted in the word as we go forward. Right. And so um, I'll talk just a little bit about the word and then I'm going to tell you this is what we are going to do. Um, and so in the last three years, uh, this body of believers here, uh, we've become uh, more equipped and more effective at being in tune with the Spirit uh, when we gather, when we have home groups, when we have Sunday mornings, when we have abide worship nights. We, we've, we've become better, uh, for lack of a better term, to be in tune with the Spirit and what the Spirit wants to do. And we want to continue that, and we, but we want to do it rooted in the disciplines that God has given us so that we don't bend one way or the other. What this is really about is it's about a healthy balance. It's about having a healthy balance because balance is a key to a healthy friendship with Jesus. Right? And so what I have come to believe and teach and and uh, understand for myself is that experiencing God is vital to the Christian life. Like having an experience where you understand the nearness and the power 
and the closeness of God, it's absolutely vital. I, I, it's, I value it, and I believe that everyone really needs to experience God. Not just on some level where you have some head knowledge or you can agree to a set of facts or a list of principles, but a, a time, a place, a situation where the God of the universe makes himself and his power known to you. We need that, but we can't just rely only on that. For healthy balance, we must pursue spiritual discipline as fervently as we uh, pursue experience. I need, a bal- I need a volunteer here. I need uh, um, a young man. Younger, Dylan. <laughs> young man that is able to stand on one foot. Who's going to do it? All right, Eli, come on up. Sorry, Roman, he had his hand up right before you. Eli, first, can you grab my water next to Miss Amy there and bring that up to me? Thank you. All right, Eli. Wait, didn't you hurt your ankle yesterday playing basketball? You can, can you stand on one foot on both feet? Okay, all right, then I need you to stand right here where everybody can see you, all right? Right foot, experience. Right, right leg, experience. Left leg, discipline, okay? Right leg, experience. Left leg, discipline. I know Eli very well, so I can smack him around, okay? <laughs> so I want you to stand on your left leg. Okay, spiritual discipline, stand. No, no, left leg. How easy can I knock you off balance, Elliot? You're trying really hard and you're doing a good job. How easy? See how easy I move you? All right, come back. Left, uh, right foot, experience. See how easy I move you? See how easy? <laughs> you had your other foot down, cheater. All right, now put both feet down like this. Okay. <laughs> Jokester. Both feet. Can't move you, can I? Don't lean into me. Don't lean into me. I still can't move you, can I? I'm pushing harder than you were on one foot. Stand back on one foot. Stand back on the other foot. Stand back on the other foot. Easy to knock you off balance. Thank you. Gave a hand to Eli. We're only on one, only experience. It's easy to fall. Only on spiritual discipline, easy to fall. You get both, you're not easily moved. When he was on both feet, I was pushing him hard, and he wasn't moving. Right, because here's what happens. If you only pursue spiritual discipline without experience, you have the, the, the possibility, a greater possibility of become legalist, legalistic. I know the rules. I know the things. I know them all. I can write them down for you. I can do it. But I don't actually know who God is. I've never actually met with him. I've read the word, and the word speaks. I've read it, and I can quote stuff back to you. But I'm going to become self-righteous because 
I don't actually know you. This is what Jesus says to the Pharisees. He says, you know the word, guys, but I'm standing right in front of you. And so you've missed everything that the word has. Everything that the Torah holds for you, you've missed it because you've missed me standing in front of you. But on the flip side, if we only pursue experience without being rooted in spiritual discipline, then we're going to risk being tossed to and fro. We're going to go back and forth, right? This is the type of person, this is the type of person who experiences God, and then they don't do anything about it, and six months later, they're back in my office for the same thing. They've gone, they've found spiritual freedom. They've gone through inner healing. And it's been great and miraculous, but they never rooted themselves into what God has called us to do. And so they're back and they're saying, well, all the problems have come back. Have you been in your word? Well, eh. I've I've been seeking him a lot. I've been wanting to get prophetic words. I've been doing, yeah, but have you been rooted in what God has for you? We become shallow. And this is a problem. But here's the reality. Experience gives life to discipline, and discipline gives lasting change to experience. If you want to be changed, long-lasting, by the experience that you have, root yourselves in spiritual discipline. If you've done spiritual disciplines, and and you've become dry and self-righteous and legalistic, and you know it, and there's that fight, you need to experience God in the midst of it. Experience gives life to discipline, and discipline gives lasting change to experience. And so that's what the, this series is all about for the next three weeks. For the next three weeks, that's what this series is all about. And we're going to start off with being rooted in the word this morning. And I'm going to read out of Psalm 119. And uh, before I do, um, uh, I make my notes available for you to pick up on your way in every week. From this point forward, they're going to be on the connect wall and not on the stool as you walk in. So uh, if you want notes on your way in, go to the connect wall in the back. They will be on there. You can grab them and follow along with us. If you forget, you can always go on the website. Actually, I didn't update the website with my notes this morning. So don't go on this morning, but every other week you can. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. It has uh, 150 verses. I'm fact-checking myself because that sounded wrong. It has 176 verses. And it actually goes in, in uh, each heading is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it starts with Aleph and then Beth, and, and it keeps going uh, all the way through. And you can, uh, if you go, your Bible might have headers there. Um, so here's... I'm just going to read verses 9 through 16, and this carries uh, a few verses that you've probably heard before. So Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, read along with me. Um, It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. 
I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. The word of the Lord. If, if we look here, right, just at this verse or just at this passage, it, it tells us you want to begin to eradicate sin in your life Guard it, guard your way according to the word. What's that saying? You want to start eradicating sin in your life? Live like the Bible presents you the opportunity to live. I've stored up my word. New King James, which I uh, memorized it in when I was younger, I have hidden my word, your word in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. He's all, and the psalmist, he's, he's, be, he's begging God, teach me your statutes. Like, tell me the, the things that you need me to know. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. We're going to come back to lips and mouths later. Not holy kiss stuff, but biblical stuff. That in your ways, I delight in, in your in you as much as all of riches. I will meditate on you and fix my eyes on you. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. It puts a high value. And if you, if you go and, and just read through Psalm 119, it is talking about scripture so frequently and consistently in that passage. And so when we come to the word, God speaks in many different ways, but the word is the most reliable and consistent. Sometimes I think I hear something from God, but I'm like, I don't know if I'm sure about that. I don't know, so I'll test it or I'll get fearful and not say anything. Something will happen, and and I'll think, I don't know. But when I read Psalm 19, I see, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. There's no qualifications there. There's nothing there that makes me think, well, you might, I might not understand it, but it says it there. It's giving it to me. It's the most reliable and consistent God's, the way God speaks. So saying that, right, people want to say that, um, and they want to distance the actual voice of God from the word. Right, so most of the time when people will say things like this, though it is true, they'll be saying it with the motivation to say, if this is the most reliable and consistent way, then you don't need any other way for God to speak to you. And the Bible doesn't give us that option. The Bible says that he speaks outside of it all the time, but it always lines up with the word. And so if the statement is true, if the statement is true that this is the most reliable and consistent way that God speaks, then when we come to the Bible to sit down, we are not simply just reading words on a page, black on white, but we are meeting with the person of Jesus as we read scripture. Like if you believe that God speaks, and if you believe that the Bible is the most consistent and reliable way, then you should understand more than everybody else that when he, you are reading it, he is actively speaking to you. It's not a passive thing. It's not a thing where, oh, maybe I'll read it and he might happen to speak. No, 
Every time you go to it, he's speaking to you. Every time you open it. This is why it is important. This is why it guards our way. This is how we grow to not sin against him because of the word. Because we're meeting with him on the pages of the word. Because he is telling us exactly what, who he is. He's giving us the story of everything. Like you have the story of everything in your hand. And as you read it, he is, he is there in it. It is living. It is active. It has been breathed out by God. And it's been given life. And so this is how we come to it. So what are ways that we can read the word? What are ways that we can read the word? And I want to add something here. I believe that reading it as a discipline is important. But I also understand that sometimes uh, there, are, there are people who have trouble reading or don't feel confident in reading or listen to the word, if that is you. You can, there are so many apps, Bible apps out there that you can get that will read to you. If you buy the Dwell app, you can choose an English accent. You can choose an African accent. You can choose uh, 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 an American accent. I don't think there's any Southern though, so <laughs> some of you might not feel as comfortable. But there's a whole lot of accents. The, uh, the English one is very soothing. Okay. So there's different ways. I have four ways, four ways to read, four ways. The first one is to read for discipline, to read for discipline. Reading for discipline is the discipline of reading the word every day. That's reading for discipline. This is mostly done, this is mostly done with Bible plans. The read the Bible in a year, read the Bible in three years, read Read the Bible, read the New Testament in 30 days. Read the Old Testament in 90 days. I'm going through a, I, I, have, I have one going right now. Um, I'm doing a read the Bible in six months, and it doesn't actually take that long each day. It's about six chapters each day. Um, so, so in this, we should be reading for this discipline. We should be reading every day so it becomes second nature to us. But here's a problem that happens sometimes. I don't know how many, I, I remember one time distinctly, I started a Bible reading plan. And I was, I don't know, a month and a half into it. It was one that gave you some Old Testament, some Psalms, and some New Testament. And I suggest those. It, th those are easier when you break it up like that. And I got to Leviticus chapter one through five. And for most people, reading plans die in Leviticus and Numbers because it's boring. But because I, I nerd out sometimes, I got to Leviticus 1 through 5, and I was like, I need to know. I need to know why they're burning the fat on this one, but they're not burning the fat on this one. I need to know why they're giving this sacrifice to the priest, and they're not giving this sacrifice to the priest. Why is this offering a pigeon, and this one is grain? And so it just derailed me. I was like, I need to understand this before I can go forward. And so I went and I studied Leviticus 1 through 5. And it's, it's very interesting to me. Might not be to you, but it's very interesting to me. But guess what happened to my reading plan? Boo, I never went back to it. Uh, it was just done. 
When you do reading for discipline, you read a set amount each day and don't worry about comprehension. Don't worry about understanding it. And that goes so far beyond our Western mentality of I need to know everything at every point and every time. And if I don't understand it, then it can't be real or I'm going to be frustrated. That goes so far beyond that mindset. But there will be times if you're reading for discipline, you go and you read and you're going to be like, I don't know what that means. Keep trucking. Keep going. I'd even suggest I've in and you guys know that here I preach out of the ESV, I teach out of the ESV, I memorize scripture now out of the ESV, but when I'm doing my, my daily reading, uh, if, if I'm reading on my phone, I'm reading out of the NLT. I don't have an NLT Bible, because why would I? No. Um, I'm read because I'm literally reading out of the NLT. I'm reading out of the NLT because it's a little bit easier to read. It's more modern language. So I enjoy that when I'm reading for discipline. Right? So we read for discipline. We, we meditate. The Bible talks about meditating on Scripture. And meditation uh, has gotten a bad rap, that word, because the Eastern meditation is really bad and you shouldn't be doing it. And if you've done it extensively, uh, you need to come see me. But it said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates on it day and night. How do you meditate on scripture? This is where you read a, a few verses multiple times in one sitting. You just pick, you pick a, a chapter. The Psalms are great for this. You read it a few times, and you just read it over and over and over again and you don't care about understanding, but you're also looking for what God is saying. You think about words and phrases in a contemplative way. What the heck does that mean? Here's what it means. I'll use Psalm 23 as an example, and I want you to, um, to uh, gauge where I'm putting emphasis on, okay? And I'm gonna do it very overtly with my voice, and it's gonna be weird, but that's okay. I want you to get the point. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So I read it that way. And God is the focus. He is everything. He is the center of what is happening in my life. He is the one that is leading me. And then the second time I read it, I might read it like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So the first one is the emphasis on God and who he is. And then the second time I read it, I get to rejoice in all the things that he does for me. But I'm not gonna get that if I'm just reading it to get through it. 
which is okay when you're reading for discipline. But when you're meditating on it, you read it over and over. And you put different emphasis in different places. The, the way that you emphasize a sentence or a phrase determines what it actually is saying. And so we read for discipline, and then we meditate on it. We contemplate it. We think about it. How else? Third way, personal enrichment. This is the most common way. This is the, this is the way that pretty much everybody does it. You read. You, if you have a study Bible, you read the notes. If you don't understand something, you might look it up. But you're mainly hoping to apply the word to your present circumstances. And this is, this is a good thing. should be doing this. It, but if we only do this, there's, there's a little bit of a wrinkle there. If we're hoping to apply the word to our lives in every circumstance, one, we become unbalanced because we make the Bible all about us and not about God. And secondly, there are some passages that are really hard to apply to yourself. That's why everything dies in Leviticus. Right? That's why all reading plans, because you get to Leviticus and you're like, I don't have a heifer. What am I supposed to do? Right? I, well, maybe some of you have a heifer. I don't. I don't have a goat. I don't have a sheep. Right? And so when we try to apply that to ourselves, we're like, ah. Right? Or you read Hosea. And Hosea has to marry a prostitute so that he can show how the unfaithfulness of Israel and how that makes God feel. I'm not, I'm not reading Hosea and being like, I need to apply that to my life. <laughs> right? So that's a problem when we want to apply everything to our life. And this is why the church gets so New Testament heavy. Because it's much easier to apply Colossians 3 to my life than it is Numbers 9. I don't know what's in Numbers 9, so you can look it up, but, right, so, but, but we still do this. We still should read and say, God, what are you saying to me in this? How do I apply this to my life? But we don't want to get off kilter with it. We say, okay, God, what, what are you having for me in this moment? How do you want me to apply this? Right. So personal enrichment, it's good, it's popular, do it. And then the last one is, is real study. You read to really engage the word, right? Th this is a type, and some people like it, most people don't, where you're gonna read the word, and in order to do so, you're gonna go grab two commentaries off your shelf that you bought, and you're gonna sit down with them right next to your Bible. And you're gonna read a verse, and then you're gonna go to your commentary, then you're going to say, that word is really weird, so I'm going to look it up in my interlinear Greek translation. Okay, here's what it means. Oh, and here's other places where it is, and I'm going to cross-reference, and oh, it talks about it there too, so what does that mean? Huh. And some of you guys are like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? But there should be a, a way to study. And you don't, need to, you don't need to dive into all of that. But there should be a time where you're saying, okay, I just want to know what this passage is about. And you have some commentaries and you look it up and you get more perspective on it. Right? So you have these ways. We have reading for discipline, discipline, meditating on God's word, 
personal enrichment and study. Or you're trying to understand something. Just on study, the way that a lot of people look at it, I, I forget who, where I read this from. Uh, so I, I can't give credit, but somebody, uh, he, was, he was saying um, that his goal in life was just to know two books of the Bible, real, like backwards and forward. So he did extensive studies on Isaiah and then one in the New Testament, and that's all he studied. He would read other parts. He would meditate on other parts of scripture, but when he studied, he only studied those books. Right? You don't have to know every nuance of every verse. That's impossible. If you're just reading, you're like, huh, I really like Galatians. Set three years to just learn about Galatians. Where you only one day a week, you just take an hour and read about nothing but Galatians. Right? And I know I already lost some of you. That's okay. Look, the word is discipleship. This should not say and discipleship, I was going to change it. It should say the word is discipleship. It is discipleship. If discipleship is growing more like Jesus, then the word is discipleship. The word grows you more and more like Jesus. And if that's true, then the word needs to be an active part of a Christian's discipleship. It needs to be an active part of discipleship. So it needs to be something that we are actively pursuing and actively going after. And this next point is very important, especially in the era of YouTube and TikTok and Facebook teachers. Anybody can call themselves a teacher now and put a few videos up. And not all of them are wrong. Most of them are pretty good, right? but you'll hear a lot of conflicting teaching. You'll hear a lot of things and you're gonna be like, huh, right? If you've listened to my teaching, you will hear a lot of people that do not believe what I believe. You'll have people that say, well, the gifts have ceased. God doesn't speak. God doesn't. And I'm on the other side, I'm saying, no, that's absolutely there in the Bible. Let's look at it together. I, I, probably once a week, somebody Different people all the time, but somebody will text me and be like, hey, have you heard of this speaker? Do you know anything about him? No, I don't, so I can't help you. Or, yeah, I've heard about him. Here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. Here's what I really like. Um, or people just text me questions. Somebody texted me last week, and they said that they were listening to Christian radio. And the DJ on Christian radio said that Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he had anxiety. And because he had anxiety there, it's okay if you have anxiety now. That's what they said. And I said, they asked me, is, that, is it okay to have anxiety in the moment? And I said, well, let's look. And I was like, well, that's, that's good. I'm gonna go look it up before I answer you. Um, and the Bible never says that he has anxiety. So that's the first problem. The Bible says that he was in agony. I'd rather have a little bit of anxiety than agony. <laughs> so he's there sweating blood because of what you're going to endure is not like, oh, I'm afraid to go talk to that person and return my fries because they're cold, right? There's a, there's a big gulf there. And this is me. I'm afraid to return my fries, 
And so I just tell my wife, man, these, I make hints. These are really cold. And she says, I'll do it. Okay, so, and now anxiety is an emotion that we experience, right? It's a part of the, on our, our emotional spectrum. It's something that we experience. But the danger in saying that Jesus had anxiety, so it's okay that you have anxiety, is that then you give birth and root to a spirit of anxiety, which is something altogether different than an emotion that you feel on occasion. And once you get the spirit of anxiety, then that needs to be taken care of and dealt with in a much different way than just saying, return your own fries, you coward, right? <laughs> and so Jesus didn't have anxiety. He was in agony. But how did I come to this conclusion? When the person texted me that, I went to my Bible. I said, well, here's where it's wrong. Here's where it's wrong. Here's what they probably meant. You need to know the word for yourself. You do. And I, I love to help. I love answering questions like that. But you need to know it for yourself as well. And we're here to help. Faith Church is here to help with what we're doing for the year 2023. We're going to have a new initiative, a new way to engage. This is 50 weeks in the word. That's what we're calling it. Why not 52? Because we're starting it two weeks into the year, okay? 50 weeks in the Word. That's what we're doing. So starting January 16th, um, that's a Monday, not tomorrow, but the Monday following, here's what we're doing. I asked some people in church, and you can do this too, because it's much more difficult than it sounds. I asked about 10 people. I said, I want you to give me your the 10 most important or favorite. It can be a very important book or one of your favorite books in the Bible. I need you to give me a list of 10. And two of them need to be Psalms. Now, some people cheated and gave me 10 plus two Psalms, <laughs> but try it. Try sitting down and writing your 10 favorite or most important verse, uh, chapters in the Bible. Excruciatingly hard. And so I met with these people, and so there was a hundred, uh, over a hundred chapters that we wrote, and we put them up on a wall, and a lot of them overlapped. You know, some are always going to overlap. Most people are going to have Romans chapter 8 in there, right? Uh, a lot of people are going to have Acts chapter 2, Luke chapter 15, Psalm, right? Psalm 139. A lot of them overlap, but we had a lot. And then I took all of those, and then I, I realized that I, I distilled all those down to 50, and I realized, man, picking 50 isn't much harder than picking 10. Because here's what happens. If you're going to write a list of 10, I encourage you to do it. Go write a list of 10. Once you get to about eight, you start to think, oh, wait, but I don't have this one or this one or this one. Oh, my gosh. Right? I, have a, I have a tattoo on my arm that came from Luke chapter 15, and it didn't make my top 10 list. And then I looked at my list after. I was like, how did I not have Luke chapter 15? This one needs to go. And Luke chapter 15 has to come in. You can, I can do that with all of them. Right. So every Monday, every Monday, we're going to introduce one of these chapters to Faith Church. Right. And I want people, I'm asking you actively to commit to 50 weeks in the Word. If you have, if you have a bulletin, a worship folder as you came in, 
There's a connect card on it. And if you didn't get one, that's okay. There's still some on the back table uh, in the lobby. Um, or you could just write it on a card in front of you, but you need to write it. There is a, a box under my next step today, and it says, I commit to 50 weeks in the word. Don't mark it yet because I haven't told you what you're committing to. That's just, that's just basic, guys, okay? 50 weeks in the word means you tithe extra specifically to Charles. Um, no. 50 weeks in the word. Here's what you're committing to. Then you commit to read that chapter that's introduced on Monday once every day of the week. Keep doing your other readings. Keep doing your Bible plans. Keep reading for personal enrichment. Keep studying other places. But you say, my reading every day will be this chapter. Right? This is discipline. I said there's four ways to read the word. One of them is discipline. This is the discipline. You're, you're, you're uh, committing to reading it once a day. And some days, that's gonna take a minute. We're doing Psalm chapter one. I read half of Psalm chapter one earlier. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who sits not in the seat of scoffers and stands. Uh, that's not how it goes, but you get, you get it. Right? That'll take you 45 seconds. And then I think one of the longer chapters we're doing around Easter is Matthew chapter 27, which is the crucifixion. That's 60 something verses. Might take you five, eight, 10 minutes, depending. But no matter how the length is, you're saying, I'm going to read it once a day, every day. Maybe, maybe you're like, I'm not going to read. I'll, I'll put it on in my car. Get it every day. Every day. But once a day, you'll do that. That's what you're committing to with 50 weeks in the Word. So if you want to commit to that, write it on your Connect card. Put it in the box on your way out that's on your left. And each Monday will also signal a new verse to memorize. Every chapter. So the first chapter, this will blow your mind. The first chapter on Jan, uh, January 16th is Genesis chapter 1. Really, really insightful decision to make that first. I'm very proud of it. Right. So what you're going to get on that Monday is you're going to get a verse from Genesis chapter 1 to memorize throughout the week. And I, I, I have all the verses written down that people chose, and I forgot which one I put in Genesis chapter 1, but that's fine. It's either, and God created man in his image, in his image he created them, male and female he created them. It's either that one, or it's him giving dominion to them. It's one of those two, okay? But you'll get it next Monday. What if I told you that by this time next year, you could memorize 50 verses in the Bible? I'm not going to do it, but I can, who has 50 verses memorized right now? I might, maybe, but that's because I just grew up in church and I heard them so much I can repeat them because I have a good memory. It's not like me sitting down and saying, I'm going to memorize this. Maybe. And half of the ones that I think I have memorized, I do like I just did with Psalm chapter one. It says standing and sitting and mockers and scoffers. It's all in there somewhere, right? But you could have 50 verses memorized. Memorizing one verse a week 
isn't, easy, isn't difficult. When you're trying to do it yourself, it is. But if people are around you doing it, it becomes easier. Psalm 119, I've stirred up, stored up my word in your heart that I might not sin against you. Joshua 1, chapter 8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Psalm 119, it says, with my lips, I declare the rules of your mouth with my lips. And then Joshua says, it will not depart from your mouth. He doesn't say it will not depart from your mind. It will not depart from your scrolls or your Bibles. It will not. He says, it will not depart from your mouth. You need to be able to speak it. We need to be able to, to attack what we need to attack with the word of God. We need to defend what we need to defend with the word of God, just like Jesus did, by the way. But it needs to be in our mouth and not just here where we can look it up, right? To read all those verses that I read before I got up here with the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. And he says, I am the Lord. That is my name. There is no other. I'll give my glory to no other nor to a carved idol. You know how I got those? Not from memory because I Googled verses about the name of God. But I want them in my mouth, not in Google. So we want to memorize together, and it's easier when you do it together. So that next Sunday on January 22nd, you know what we're going to do before we start? We're going to flash the verse up, and then we're going to take it off, and then we're going to recite it together. Now, don't be ashamed if you didn't really, like, I didn't do the memory verse. I'm not going to church. I'm not asking everybody to do the memory verse. I'm asking you to do the memory verse if that's something that you want to commit to. I'm not strong-arming you. I'm not coercing you. I'm saying if you want to grow in the word, this is the opportunity that we are giving you to do that. It's an opportunity, not an order. Before COVID, we had a, a Wednesday night Bible study. And I loved Wednesday night Bible study. We would go over the chapter that I was going to preach on the next Sunday, and there would be, I don't know, there'd be about 10 to 12 of us that met out in the fellowship hall, and, uh, and we would just go over it. Sometimes there was as much as 20, sometimes there was six or seven of us. There was always a group out there. And then COVID hit, and it stopped. It stopped meeting for six weeks or whatever, and uh, during that six weeks, God shifted a large focus of my ministry to Wednesday nights where I meet with people, counsel, inner healing, spiritual freedom. Like that's my night. So I can never go back to leading Wednesday night Bible study. And I missed it. I missed just jumping into to these, the word with people because it, it wasn't uh, me teaching and you listening. It was this conversation. It was this way that we could all interact with the word. Right. And, uh, and I was praying about it because I wanted to bring it back. And it was like God said, hey, bring it back, you don't have to lead it. You're not that important. You have a lot of other people with the gift of teaching in your church. So Wednesday night Bible studies are gonna begin again on January 18th in the fellowship hall, 6.30 p.m. And they're going to revolve around the chapter of the week. I have a rotation of teachers, right? And the teachers will teach on that week's chapter and they'll help reinforce the memory verse. 
They'll say, hey, guys, here's the memory verse. Let's read it together. Okay? Now let's dive into what the chapter says. So what we have is we have, uh, we have the discipline of reading every week. We have the meditating on the word by memorizing. And now we have the study by Bible study. Right? We're giving you these ways. And so the week looks like this. Let me lay it out for you. Monday, you start reading the chapter a day. You start practicing memorizing, memorizing how to do it. Tuesday, you read it. Wednesday, you read it, and you've read it three times, and then you're going to go to Bible study to study it. Because you're going to, there's some you're going to read, and you're going to have questions. And you're going to go to the, these Bible study teachers, and you're going to ask them questions, and they're going to have every answer ready for you to go. <laughs> no, they're going to say, oh, I don't know, let's talk about it. Let's, let's figure it out. Let's look at what this says. Thursday, you're going to read and memorize. Friday, read and memorize. Sunday, Saturday, read and memorize. Sunday, we're going to read it. And then we're going to say the memory verse together as a church. We want you to be rooted in the word. And look, here's the reality. If you commit to reading, memorization, and attending Wednesday night Bible study, and I'm not saying you have to be there every week, and if you miss it, you're anathema, nothing like that. But if you're there fairly consistently, you'll see an impact during your life in 2023. If you do all of that, you can't not see impact. God promises you'll see impact from it in his word. This is what we talk about as I close. This is what we talk about when we talk about healthy growth. This is what we mean. It's, it's you being disciplined by yourself. It's a church body going together the same way. It's people around you that are doing the same thing and you're able to lean on them and ask questions and dive into it together. This, reading the Bible isn't meant to be a solitary thing. Knowing scripture isn't meant to be a lone ranger thing. It's meant to be done in community together. And so we talk about healthy growth. And, and, and I want all of us, myself, everybody sitting here, everybody listening online, everybody catching up later in the week, man, I want us all to see healthy growth as we walk with Jesus. And here's, the, here's the, the cold hard fact. Here's the reality of it. If you pursue Jesus, you will grow. You might be saying, well, I, I don't know. I'm not super spiritual. I don't, I don't understand everything I read. I'm not a good reader. I'm, I listen, I, I don't care. I don't, I mean, I care, but I don't care. Because if you're pursuing Jesus, you will grow. You will look back a year from now and you will say, wow, I didn't memorize the verse every week, but I have 36 verses memorized that I didn't have before. I know more about God's love for me. I've heard him speak to me as I've opened his word. I've heard him speak to me when I've needed it most. If you pursue Jesus, you will grow. He promises this, this. He promises it to you. If you seek, if you knock, if you ask, the door will be open. You'll, you'll find him. He's there. 
And I think that all of us would say, yes, I want that. I want to grow. I want to do it. But then here's where the rubber meets the road. You have to do what's needed to grow. You have to do it. You have to walk in it. You have to say, okay, God, I see this in my life. I want to eradicate it. I see this unforgiveness. I need to to take care of that. I see this fear that I have. I see this anxiety that goes beyond just an emotion. I see all of these things. And then, then he might ask you to do something. Right? Here's what happens so many times. He asks you to do something, and, you, and we go, that's a step too far. I mean, you weren't really serious when you said confess your sin to one another so that you may be healed, were you? Because I don't want to do that. You weren't, you weren't serious when you said that it's better that I cut off my right hand than to look at a woman with lust in my heart. You didn't really mean that, right? You have to go into the places where you don't want to go because that's the only place you'll grow. And for some of us, it is that that, that place that we don't want to go is just disciplining ourselves to read every day. And for others, you you do that. It's been a part of it. You've experienced some of it. And now God's calling you into the next thing where he's, he's asking you to give up more of who you are for who he is. Here's the beautiful truth, beautiful truth, that through the process of discipline and the grace of experience, Jesus offers more and more of himself to you. God in the flesh. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father right now. And he's there. And he's saying to each one of you, you can have more of me. Do you want to look like me? You can begin to look more and more like me. He's there and he's saying, let me draw you in to what I have for you with my love. Let me draw you in with my kindness. He's there and he's offering himself to you. He offered himself up on a cross to save all of mankind that would come to him. That's what he did. He offered himself up on the cross for all of creation. And sometimes it's easy to feel insignificant in that. So so I want to take you to this side where he says that he still offers himself to you personally right now today. He wants to give you more of who he is. But we have to seek. We have to knock. We have to ask. But in doing that, the promise from him is you'll find me. The door will be open. I will answer you. So 
Will you take what Jesus has for you? Through experience and through disciplines. Why don't you bow your heads for me? Uh, we're, I don't think we're not going to close in our conventional way where we sing a song and do all that. I know that much, but I don't know what we're going to do yet. Have an idea. So just pray. Just pray. Meditate on some scripture before we leave. I'm just not sure what passage yet, so keep praying. So as I read this, uh, just listen. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm telling you don't take notes. Just listen. And if something grabs your attention, just stop listening and focus on what grabbed your attention. And ask God, what are you saying to me right now in this? It's a it's longer passage than I would normally meditate on, but this is what I'm going to be reading. Isaiah 58. Is this not the fast I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness? To undo the straps of the yoke? 
to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Father, as we pursue you, Lord, Break every yoke. Every place, Father, where we're tied to something that we shouldn't be tied to, where we're connected to our sin, break the yoke. Loose the bonds of wickedness, Father, and all who are oppressed, we want to see freedom come. choose to believe that for this year and going forward for every person who's pursuing you that the glory of the Lord will be our rear guard the glory of the Lord will be my rear guard surround us with your glory satisfy our desires in scorched places in those places where there has been death and destruction and dismantling in our souls. Satisfy our desire for you and make our bones strong.
rebuild our ancient ruins. Let this be a place where we build foundations for generations to come in the name of Jesus Christ. Repair the breaches, the places where people are broken, the places where the floodwaters get in. Let us repair it. Exalt your name, because your name is above every other name. We simply want to be a house of your great name. sing and then I don't I know normally we we, we kind of leave after singing but we have an announcement to make after singing in fact right now um, Amber is going to go down and the teachers are going to bring your kids up with you for this last song um, so if you have a little one thrust into your lap it's not because they were naughty it's because it's what we've planned on this morning so let's just let's just sing that together
Keep us in your name. Let your words be on our mouths. Let your praises be on our lips. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to have you have a seat really quick. I'm going to ask Tim and Holly to come on up. I'm going to give the floor to Tim. He is the only one worthy of our praise. Um, I have something I want to read to you, uh, faith family. It is with a heavy heart that I stand before you this morning. It's heavy because I'm here to announce my impending resignation as the associate pastor from Faith Church. Holly and I feel that the Lord is calling us to a new opportunity to serve Him. It is our desire for you to see this not as a leaving, but ascending. We feel that God has called us to take many of the things we have learned and experienced during our time at Faith to Greenway Baptist Church in Boone. We ask you to join us in prayer that we will see the spirit and power of God in this new opportunity He has laid before us. I want to let you know that my last day at faith will be January 29th. I assure you that this was not an easy decision, but it is a time for me to move on to the next steps God's plan for my life. As I move on to a new opportunity for me and my family, I want you to be assured that the leadership that is at faith is part, uh, part of this church is nothing short of incredible. And as a local church, our volunteers, leadership, and pastoral ministry will ensure a smooth transition to a new youth pastor and associate pastor and spiritual leader. I know I speak on behalf of our family as I can truly say that all of you have blessed our lives greatly. I hope in some small way we have blessed your lives through our teaching, preaching, visitation, and all the ways we may have touched you. Even though we are moving on from this place physically, a piece of our hearts will always be here with you. I also want you to know that even though we are moving on from faith, that there is there ever anything that me or my family can do for you, especially all of the youth, and especially those former youth, any way that we may have touched you, we'll always be here for you. Faith has been part of my family for almost 16 years. You all have become part of my family. I am so thankful to the Lord, the leadership at Faith, and all of you for the opportunity to serve here at Faith. I pray that I can be of strength and encouragement to all of you in my remaining time here. We love you all, and we believe that the best is yet to come for faith and for wherever God is calling us to go. Thank you for allowing us to serve, and um, I want you to know that if there's ever anything, like I said, I, I really mean that. And I, I just thank you so much for always being there for me and my family and uh, the love you've always shown and the support, and um, I still look forward to leading our youth next week, and look forward to uh, making lots of great memories, and seeing uh, just God move in a mighty way, because God is not done, God is on the move. Um, I just want to uh, reiterate a few things that Tim said, um, we did not ask him to resign, uh, we didn't tell him, get out of here. Um, a year ago, my wife reminded me, a year ago, I told her, I said, I don't know how much time Tim has left. Not in ministry, 
not on this earth, <laughs> but just here with us. Um, the uh, elders here have affirmed this calling for their next ministry and for their next steps. Um, as the weeks go by, we will be honoring them more and more. Um, so I'm going to pray over them now, but there will be much more prayer over them. There'll be much more honoring of um, who they are. Um, I'm not fearful, but I am afraid that I don't and you don't understand just the weight that Tim carries here. Like what he bears and what he does and all the things that I don't know and you don't know and he just does it. I'm just going to come into work and a pipe's going to be busted. I'm be like, where's Tim? He was supposed to tell me this was going to happen. But that's, that's, the, that's what he's been. Um, he has been the, the steadying force. If it was just me, who knows? Tim always says, but what about this? What about this? Have you thought about this? Well, no, but quit interrupting me. Fine. There's much wisdom in what you're saying. He's steadying. He's a rock. Um, and what he didn't say um, is that even when they're not here, they're still going to be around Statesville. So you can say hi to him if you see him in Food Lion. They're not moving to Boone immediately. Um, summerish, probably. Yeah. After, uh, after Jackson's out of school. All right, so we get to see you around a little bit more. Thank you, Jackson. I appreciate that. Um, so it's, it's bittersweet. Obviously bittersweet. The bitter is, is very easy to feel right now. Not that we're bitter, but the, the part that's difficult. It's easy to feel right now, um, but the sweetness for both the Lowry's and Faith Church will come, um, and we, they, they can go into the future taking what they've learned here and lighting a fire somewhere else. Amen. That's what we believe. Amen. Um, so I'm just going to pray over them just very quick, very brief. Trust me, this isn't going to be it all. You're, if you walk away and be like, Charles didn't pray enough, don't worry, it's all coming, okay? Father, in your name, in your name, we thank you for Tim and all that he's meant to this church here. We thank you for the man that you have made him and the pastor that you have made him. We thank you and we bless you and we honor you, Father, as we bless and honor Tim. I thank you for Holly, Lord, her passion and her zeal for you, for the steadying force that she is for Tim.
Father, we pray that you bring them everything that they need. Let them feel the love and the affection. Let them feel everything, Father. For the boys, let the transition be smooth and easy, full of joy for Jackson and Josiah and Jace. God, let it be completely filled with your presence as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give them a hand. Yeah.